Hello and welcome to Home Life for Extraordinary Impact. My name is Matt Barrios. I'm a husband, dad, researcher, writer, and coach. And on Home Life for Extraordinary Impact, I'm interviewing experts and everyday people all around the world about their homes. I'm asking them basically a bunch of questions going after one big question, which is how do you set up your life so that set up your life at home in order for it to be a place of consistent growth, regular connection, and ongoing increasing impact in the world all around you. That's what we're up to on this. And uh, I get to interview lots and lots of interesting people today. And even in just like this very brief like interaction before I hit record on this episode, I already know I'm going to have a great conversation with our guest today. <laughs> Her name is Dana Diaz. He, she is calling in from Illinois right now. And I'm just so excited to have you on as a person who, you know, we connected online and everything. Uh, but you, you can, yes. you know, bring a bunch of very unique angles on home. Everything from uh, a deep background in real estate, as well as some unfortunate, uh, you know, unfortunate expertise uh, in narcissistic relationships. Right. And um, we're going to get deep into, you know, that topic and any other that we might find ourselves into. But to start off. I just want to ask you, Dana, what are some of the things that you do at home that help you set up for like a kind of happy and uh, effective, productive life uh, kind of out in the world? Fair enough. Um, I'm a very structured person myself just because I have a lot of different things that I, I am involved in and my husband's the same way. So my number one rule in life that I have instilled in my son from the time he could even understand it was be prepared. That is like life 101, be prepared. So in the morning, nothing comes before coffee, nothing at all. <laughs> <laughs> then after the cats eat and get water, then it's just knowing what the plan is for the day, where everyone's going, what everyone's doing, making a, a list, you know, if there is a, a need for that and just going at it, prioritizing it and checking things off. So I think that's the most important thing just because everybody's going in different directions and that start of the day, if there's one little thing off, like you wake up on the wrong side of the bed, it just throws everything off. And we all hate those days. We don't want those days. <laughs> Absolutely. Gosh, seriously. I love that you start with coffee. I start with coffee. It is really the elixir that you know helps set <laughs> yes. up for a decent day. <laughs> If not that, then like, boy, oh boy, would I be in tons and tons of trouble? Uh, are you are you like a yeah. kind of give me coffee any sort? I'm fine. Are you an aficionado? Like, where are you oh, no, in the no, whole no, coffee no, spectrum? No. I am. A, you know, I was raised by my great grandma, who's from Puerto Rico, so it's got to be dark roast, and it's got to. I mean, they always say that the coffee I make puts hair on your chest. So it's gotta be that kind of coffee. <laughs> I do put creamer in though. I like the caramel sweetener and a little sugar. Okay. My husband says it's foofy, but it's still effective. I get the sugar, <laughs> I get the caffeine. And you know, after about 15 minutes, you can approach me and I'm personable and alive. So it works. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You know, the, the kind of coffee that you can like put the stirring spoon in and it'll stand up in, that's how thick it is. Yes, yes. And w if it has well, foam, like I love when I go to Starbucks and they ask for, you know, do you want whipped cream and caramel? And yes, 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 yes. All please, of it. all oh, of it. So good. But the coffee, I got to have that double shot of espresso in it. You know, it's got to be strong. Okay. Well, sounds delicious. Uh, I literally just had my <laughs> afternoon coffee just now, and it was a little stovetop, uh, you know, espresso maker thing. And 
poured it over mm-hmm. ice. It was perfect. Those are amazing, though. It's so delicious. So just hitting the spot. It That's is. why I'm like bringing a little extra energy to this episode, I think. And also because you're there bringing you it, go. too. So I'm just feeling it. We're vibing. Um, okay, so Dana, um, you have a background in real estate and also this uh, yes. the stuff around narcissistic relationships. And one of the things that we're exploring is, um, you know, really home on every on every level, every dimension. One of those, some of that has to do with real estate and, you know, the, the home that you buy yes. or, the, or that you rent or whatever. But another part is the relationships in the home that help it feel like home, help it feel like it's safe or it's not safe. All of that. So would you tell me a little bit about your background, uh, background with those things? Absolutely. Um, Well, you mentioned the narcissistic abuse, so we'll start very briefly with that. I was raised by a narcissist that my mother enabled. Um, It was her husband, not my biological father. And then I was so eager to get out of the house at 18 um, and get out of the abusive situation that I jumped right into what I thought was, you know, relationship with Prince Charming. And unfortunately, that was another 25-year narcissistic relationship oh, that I actually just published a book on um, covering that that uh, whole 25-year wow. spectrum. And I, I'm actually in the process right now of publishing the prequel, which discusses my uh, earlier years with my mother and stepfather. But, you know, the funny thing is when you say home, um, you were mentioning like feeling safe and feeling protected. The thing about it is that like I look at my husband, his family has like a home base. Dad's home is where everybody goes, even though they're in their 50s and 60s. -hmm. That's home and they feel good there and they're welcome there and there's love and and everybody unites there. And that's what family should be and that's what home should be. But it's not that way for all of us. Um, And that's the unfortunate thing is that I don't, I'm 47 years old and I can honestly say I've never lived anywhere in my life. And I have moved, I think I counted 16 or 17 times I've moved in my life. There's not one single place that I can say is like, home or that I feel any sentimental feelings about. So for me, home is more where my heart feels, as you said, safe and protected. Mm-hmm. And I, I cannot, it's funny that you say that too, because I'm, I'm newly married. My, my husband and I will be celebrating our second anniversary in, uh, next month, in a couple of weeks, actually. Yeah, we're going to Punta Cana, very excited. Um, but the thing about it is wherever he is, is home. And it doesn't matter where it is, but I have moved into his home that he built with his ex-wife, which I think is common now these days when you're in a second, and I know people have been in a third marriage now, but you move into one of the spouse's homes that they shared with a previous spouse. And the strange thing is, is that I'm actually starting to feel that feeling that I've never felt because this is the first place I've lived in my life where I 100% feel safe, and I know that my husband would not let anyone touch a hair on my head. His son who lives with us would, same thing. I I feel good here. I feel happy. I I just feel at peace. And so it's starting to feel like home, even though it's not a home that I participated in creating or designing or building or even decorating, although you know, when, I guess when you meet your match, your your tastes align because the <laughs> things that I brought with me here just 
fit perfectly. Wow. It's like everything just meshed just like we did. So yes, it's wonderful. That's great. Um, but as far as real estate, the interesting thing to bring all of that together, I started in real estate in 1995. I started leasing apartments. I went into condos. Um, I, I did corporate leasing um, for apartments for people coming in from out of state and out of the country. Um, I, I now do residential real estate. Um, so it's just really interesting to see how people choose their homes and what they do. I always try to keep in touch with my customers because I, I, I just tend to become friends with them, most of them. I don't like all of them, but most of them. <laughs> <Sure>, <laughs> but I keep in touch and I wanna see what they do with the houses that they buy, if they're remodeling or even if it's just new furniture yeah. or the landscaping. But what's interesting to me and what I've learned over the years is that you know, when you take that initial call or you go out with them the first or second time showing them houses, most people, most realtors will say, oh, what are you looking for? And you get the typical, oh, three bedroom, at least two bathroom, two car, you know, the, the statistics. And I tell people, I don't want to hear any of that baloney because I have sold two bedroom houses to people say that they have to have a four bedroom. I've sold people a one car garage when they said they needed a three car garage. That's all baloney. Yeah. I tell people, what is it? What is the one thing that you have to have and you will not buy a house or a condo or whatever unless it has this thing, whatever it yeah. is. And it's interesting, twice in my life, I've actually sold two separate residences to married couples. And one of them had been married probably 30 or 40 years. They bought two different condos and two different buildings, loved each other, but couldn't live together. So it's interesting when you say, what is home? It's it's different for everybody. Yeah. It's completely different. And just seeing people bicker when they're looking at homes where one spouse or partner loves a home and the other just isn't feeling it, I just tell them, unless you all want to have this conflict the rest of your days, we are going to keep looking yeah. because you both have to be a yes. You cannot be a yes and a no, and I don't believe in maybe. Maybe. Uh is talking yourself into it or having the other person convince you and that's not home yeah. you have to walk in and know it's home wow you have to feel it i think what what you're seeing is the connection that i've like really really clearly intuited in this process is like how much uh relational dynamics play into a place feeling like home including even the process of choosing a home if you're on the market for a new place to rent or buy yes. or something like that if there's some level of relational discord at the foundation there, it's hard for that place to end up feeling like a real sanctuary, safe, restorative, all of that kind of place to live. And um, yeah, yeah I th now, now I'm very curious to explore that now from the, the other angle too, that in, in your backstory of like narcissistic relationships, it seems like you probably had to learn so much how to navigate very complex relational dynamics and uh, yes and it probably is what makes you so good at you know mediating these moments with these people as they're uh you know searching for a home uh but like tell me more about like what were the relational dynamics that you had to navigate at home well, I mean, in my childhood, it was mainly avoidance because there was a lot of physical with the verbal abuse. So I just hid in my room. But yeah. if there was ever a place for 
18 years that I, I felt okay. I mean, if I felt any anxiety or any inclination that something was going to happen, if there was a conflict, I went in my room, shut the door. And I think that's typical of a lot of teenagers, you know, over the yeah. generations. But for me, it was especially so. And I just, it's just where I hid, so to speak. And I didn't necessarily feel safe in the house, but that was just my space where I knew I was okay. And sometimes I wasn't, you know, there yeah. were times where um, my stepfather, I'll never forget once I, I heard tinkering in the door and he had actually taken it off its hinges in the hallway, broken the knob off and literally removed the door. And for me, I, I it was Whoa. just, it, it was not just such a violation, but it, it just, I felt so vulnerable and and rightfully yeah. so because nothing nice happened yes. after that but um mm. you know then in my marriage 25 years we are the last home that I lived in prior to this that's where I raised my son with my ex-husband we were there 17 years um, you would have thought I would have felt at home eventually. But the interesting thing about it, it was a little farmette on four acres and there was a main house. And then there was a little in-law house that the previous owners had built. So it's kind of ironic that we both actually liked the property, but we also, I hate to say it, I'm just, well, I discuss it in the, in my book that I wrote, but I mean, we both kind of knew we, we were like oil and water. We just never mixed, but mm. I think we just, <laughs> we had a kid and we thought, well, we're just gonna stick together. But the idea of having two houses was very appealing. And, and in the end, you know, the last couple of years on the property, he did, he moved into that in-law house and I was in the main house with my son. So it worked that my son could have two parents even after the divorce my ex-husband wow. stayed on the property but that's what my son wanted and so it's a strange dynamic but i know i'm not the only person out there that has agreed to a situation because you want to do what's best for your kids it ended up not right. being best for anybody but that's besides the sure. point um but it was a good setup for the situation we had mm -hmm. Gosh, yeah. Just like my couples that have lived in two separate places. I mean, you do what you have to do if, if for whatever reason you're um, keeping the family unit together. You know, you, you figure out a way to make it work in your living situation. Wow. Gosh, that is very interesting, complex things. And also just want to acknowledge and thank you for sharing vulnerably about, you know, very traumatic, um, you know, and abusive things that have happened uh, in your history. And I, I'm so sorry that has happened to you. I'm thankful that you are telling the story of that because it, I think it uh, creates a clearing for others to be upfront and open and find connection with people like yourself. Um, and I hope people who are in similar situations certainly go check out your book as a place to find, um, you know, the empathy and connection and, and stories that resonate. Um, so thank you very much for sharing about that. Yeah, so Dana, um, this is a little bit of a change in direction, but when when you're thinking about home and it's going really, really well, what are some of the things that are markers of home going well for you? I think I go back to relationships all the time. I think if all the relationship dynamics in a home are, are going well, um, then home life is good. Because when there's tension as, you know, with my growing up and then my previous marriage you know there were days honestly that i 
I, w- I became kind of a workaholic in my adult life because mm. I didn't want to go home. Mm. I dreaded going home. It was not a place I wanted to be. I would rather work then go home. And that sucks. Nobody wants that. So, you know, you always want to, especially if you have kids, but, you know, even for your spouse, you know, they say happy wife, happy life, but it goes the same way for husbands and for your adult children, your little kids. Everyone wants to be happy. Everyone wants to feel good. And you want everybody to to actually want to come home at the end of their day, you know, so you make it that way. So how do you do it? You know, it's kind of like when I'm out looking at, you know, showing homes to people, it's different for everybody. You know, you ask a kindergartner, like my husband's grandson, he probably wants chocolate chip cookies, you know, coming out of the oven, fresh baked when he gets home, that's gonna make a happy home life. You know, for my husband, I know he really enjoys that when he wakes up in the morning, I have his coffee made, laundry's done, you know, everything's good so he can be prepared for his day. And, you know, just keeping if there's, I mean, we don't have much conflict around here. I I can't even say we have any, thank God. But, um, you know, I know that's a big thing that in my, what I call my previous life, I made the mistake of saying past life in a previous (laughs) podcast. I think some people think I I actually was talking about a a former life and I'm not, but (laughs) (laughs) in my old life, you know, I was always concerned about my son. Like I didn't want him to feel whatever tension was between me and his dad. And, you know, you try to protect your kids from that at any age, but they're going to feel it. So it's just really important to just kind of do whatever you can to make the energy, so to speak, in the house, you know, just keep it lighter and more positive. You know, I I love when we can just sit around and watch like ridiculousness or something on MTV, like, and all of us laugh, you know, at no matter what age or, you know, even whatever it is, just sitting down to dinner is like a huge thing for me because I didn't get that growing up. So if we can all actually be in the same place at the same time and I can cook, it's amazing. But I think you need to have those interactions in order to have a family bond or any kind of relationship Mm -hmm. bond. And that's what's good. It doesn't matter where you live you can make it a home if everything feels good between the people. Yeah, absolutely. I think so much of like the quality of life at home rides on how well relationships are going with people. Um, are people mm-hmm. happy? Is is there tension? Have you cleared the air on that stuff that comes up? Like all of these sorts of things. And yes. Um, and it, I like that you're tying that to really tactical things that help make it happen. Like you are attentive to what is going to help yes. your husband be happy, right? And exactly. ideally, everybody's thinking about that for everybody that they're, that they're living with, right? And uh, is some way Ideally, right? yeah. yeah. But you know what, I mean, that's the way life is because if you start off your day well at home or things are going good at home, you carry that into the world. I mean, we've all had, we've all had days, no matter who you are, <laughs> what age you are, where, you just are not having a good morning or maybe somebody at home ticked you off (laughs) or whatever it is and then you go to work and you're pissed off at work or you know you have a cranky ass kid going to school like we've all been there and it just spirals downhill and nobody wants that and at the risk of sounding like an idealistic hippie yes you know you have some love and joy at home then it goes out in the world and you just spread Mm. it like dominoes you just keep it keep the love flowing it makes for a nice world Call me an idealistic hippie because that's exactly what I'm trying to do in this project. Because I really do think that, like, the foundation of 
a good a good world is people having yes. solid homes where they feel a sense of love and belonging and joy and then they yes. get to take that into the workplace and take that into their social lives and so on so you know sign me up for idealistic hippie for home uh club um so yeah I, i'm a big believer yes. in that sort of stuff um now uh what you also mentioned is that like sometimes uh like it takes starting off on the right foot in the mornings. What does, we already mentioned your coffee stuff, but what does starting off on the right foot look like for you? You know, again, I go back to just being prepared. I, I am, I'm a very type A person, so it's the coffee. I'm, I start my coffee because I need it first because I'm the first one up and in the kitchen. Then I start my husband's coffee. <laughs> you know, like I said, feed the cats, get them out of my hair. Then they want to go outside. That's fine. But just making sure, like I said, I'll pull the laundry out, fold it if I need to, get my list done for like, this is the plan for the day. These are our appointments. You're going that way. I'm going this way. The kids are going wherever. Okay. This is our plan. Anything else anybody needs, let me know. And then you just kind of go on with the day. Get everyone off to where they're going. I need to get off to where I'm going. And we move on. But, you know, it's all about prioritizing. And as you said, again, the consideration for everyone in the home. I think people really... Uh, you know, don't get me started on social media. I know we're all on it and it's wonderful, but you know, we do have a lot of people right now that forget that there's um, people and life outside of themselves and the bubble that they live in. And you have to kind of think about the other people. It's not just me, 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 me. I mean, we all wish it was, but then again, do we really, you know? So I think it's just a matter of being considerate. You know, if if somebody in the house has, you know, a really important, we all know, okay, tomorrow's really important. They have a meeting or something going on, whatever. It's like, okay, we're not going to like, you know, hang out outside by the fire pit, having beers all night with our friends, you know, or you know what I mean? We're going to respect that and make sure that person, do you you need anything? Do you need, you know, and just... You know, there are those nights that, you know, maybe we we went out to a wedding and had a little. It's like, okay, here, have some ibuprofen before bed. Drink your water. Here's a bottle of water (laughs) for everybody. I'm that person that tries to just make sure because I want everyone to be okay. But I get that back, too. You know, they're all very good around here. We just have a really good vibe here like my husband, like now that it's nicer out because we're in Illinois and we get like Mm -hmm. all different seasons in one week but you know it's june so it's hotter out and the sun is shining so like we have a creek in the back of the property and he mowed me like a little path so that when i need a break from you know phone and work and everything going on i just go take a walk i have like a private river walk i don't have to worry about neighbors coming i'm not antisocial i swear to god but (laughs) you know sometimes you just you don't want to chat with your neighbors and you don't want people to see what you look like because you haven't really done all this you know (laughs) it's nice to have that but then like yesterday you know like i knew he was really busy so like our garage was a mess i went out there i had an extra hour to do something i i cleaned out the garage and swept it for him so it's just the give and take and i think again i i go to this Mm -hmm. isn't just home this is life but if you do that for the people you live with you take care of them they take care of you the give and take is what you need to have you know a good relationship with anybody whether it's home or work or wherever 
Absolutely. And it's interesting that you say that because I think for so many people, especially when we're thinking about raising children and stuff, we've got a one and a half year old here at our in our little apartment in San Francisco. I'm very much like mindful of the fact that me and my wife are setting the tone for what her life is going to be like and how what kind of relational yes. pattern she's going to have. And even like, you know, put it in business language, the soft skills that she'll come to the table with when it comes to empathy and communication and so on, right? Like that sort of stuff, so yes. much grows out of home and family and social life, like these things that don't happen, uh, you know, in the same way at school or at the office, right? Um, it's a whole different thing to be immersed Absolutely. in it from a young age. Uh, another thing I want to jump on that you mentioned that I thought was really interesting is uh, how much you almost like in that morning getting it all started you seem like quarterback calling plays you're like you're like okay here's <laughs> here's what we got going you're like okay uh yeah here's what we got for the day let me give this our list i am get, you know, i'm like and, where are you going what are you doing what time are you going to be home are you eating dinner at home tonight oh you're going to your grandma's okay like i just yeah. want to know like the logistics because I, I am, I'm that type A, and I, I just want to know, I need to know what to expect and, and what I'm doing, because am I feeding one person a night or am I feeding four? I have no idea. Right. Makes a difference. Right. And I'm totally not going to stress does. about it. If it's one person and it's me, I'll just have a bowl of cereal. I don't care. <laughs> but you know, if there's four of them and they're coming for dinner, it's like, okay, well, I better pull some meat out in the morning so it thaws and all that good stuff. Yeah. You know, I would love, you're the first person who's like self-identified as a type A personality, you know, as I'm interviewing people. <laughs> what what does it look like for you to like intentionally manage your home? You know, because I hear that's like exactly what you're doing. Do you have any like bits of advice or like here's here's like tactically what I recommend people to do in order to manage the logistics of home? Does anything come to mind? Honestly, it's prioritizing. I think that's the most important thing is just prioritizing. I mean, there's so many other aspects I can go into with that, you know, knowing the different personalities in your home and knowing where they fall short on something and you need to pick up a little. And, and certainly yeah. there's things I fall short on sometimes, you know, that I need a little pick up on, but it's just the prioritizing. I mean, as type A as I am, I mean, my, my go-to if I'm in a real jam is like, okay, if it's not life or death, just like it's, it's okay. And, and I joke, although I mean, no disrespect to anybody, but even if there ever was a death situation, I, I can't revive anybody. I can't bring them back. So there's really nothing I can totally. do. But <laughs> but you just do what you can yeah. to just say, like, these are the most important things. And even for myself personally, I can say, like, if, if, like, if I don't have my coffee and if I don't exercise first thing in the morning, like, my whole day is wrecked. Because then I'm panicking. Oh, I because I, mm. I do. I have, I have, like, a lot of muscular and medical issues that it's just really, really important for me to get some mm. exercise in. So it just throws me off. And then it's kind of like that waking up on the wrong side of the bed, but we all have whatever that thing is, you know, and maybe some people don't and good for them, but you know, for the rest of us, <laughs> we need sure. to be aware of it. And I try to be aware <laughs> totally. of everybody's 
And part of that, the sad thing is, is that part of that comes from this narcissistic abuse that I experienced mm. pretty much my whole life up until now. Because when you are in situations that you can't even control your safety and you can't control your security and, and the way people are, are talking to you and, and all these terrible things, yeah. You almost try, like, I, I, I'm going to speak for myself, but I know this is true with a lot of abuse victims. We almost become controlling in a way that is not meant to be bossy or bad, but to kind of control those things that we're, we want to control our environment so that we know it's safe. We want to control yeah. situations so that we don't feel that anxiety. So I've been told I'm a know-it-all and I'm bossy and I accept it. It's fine. But really, mm -hmm. that's where it comes from is, sure. you know, the background. But, you know, I, I try to do it in a nice way. Sometimes I'm a little too direct for some people, including my husband. But they all know that I, I mean well. So, yeah, you know. Yeah. And, and but you are who you are, and and like you yeah. said, it starts at home when you're when you're a kid. You you just develop certain personality traits as a result mm -hmm. of what you've lived. So, as yeah. long as you're not a malicious person that has malicious intent, you know, try to be right, self aware right, right. And, and go with it. But it makes exactly. me a good manager of everything. <laughs> I believe it. I completely believe it. I'm just like you know, and this is really about the. Yeah, you know, this is a, a redemption story. In your story is the fact that, like, yeah, yeah maybe that's uh, that's the soil you were you were growing out of. Uh, but after transplanting, now you're just kind of like actually a master manager who's really good at risk assessing and making sure that the pieces are yeah. covered, and um, you know, staying on top of stuff. Which some of it might be fueled by a little bit of what you're describing: this fear of things being uh, yeah. unpredict unpredictable things happening, right? And the anxiety yes. there. Yes. Um, exactly. But yeah, I think it's like so long as you can work with it rather than have it work against you, um, that that seems exactly. like it's really helpful. Yeah. Um, and I, I yeah, imagine sometimes bad things can be good things. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't it doesn't it make everything good. But, you know, it it's uh, yeah, it, it 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 does seem I definitely see that connection there, you know, as you're describing it of. Yeah, yeah, those those t hard times like bore like transform something in you that um, is now a, a little bit of the value you bring to the world. So uh, that's pretty cool. Um, well, thank you. Yeah. Um, so we've uh, got to you know cover some really fun, interesting ground here. Um, everything from uh, you know your background in real estate, you know some of your experience of yes. the, the trauma of growing up and. Uh, now your expertise as a home manager. I'm really curious too if uh, <laughs> you have um, any like thoughts on your possessions. Like for example, do you have any prized possessions, things that you really love? You know, that's funny you say that because you know, again, I go back to how I grew up and my, my history, and you know, I've always felt more like an orphan. Mm. Um, you know, I don't really have anything as far as like a, like my home life that I would like have to grab if I was running out of the house if there was a fire. Mm. Um, you know, pictures stay in my memory. Um, memories stay in your heart. You know, so yeah. 
Honestly, the the one thing when, when you ask me that that comes well, it's actually two things. Um, one is my wedding ring. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone could really see it. Yeah. It's a heart shape. Uh, I've been obsessed with hearts since literally like I think when I could walk and talk, I started just I'm obsessed with hearts. If I see a uh, heart on a shirt, on a sign, on, on jewelry, on a headband, whatever, I I just love hearts, and so. My husband, when he proposed, he had this beautiful diamond heart and and it's just so it just I look at it and it reminds me that despite everything that I've been through, he he he's my home and that there's still love Mm -hmm. in the world. And that despite what I was told for my whole life, I am lovable and I am valuable and I Mm -hmm. am worthy. But the Mm -hmm. other thing tied to that, um, I don't know if you could see this is a bracelet my husband gave me. You could see it a little better Mm. there. It's the tree of life. That was one of the first Mm. gifts he ever gave me um, because I don't have a relationship with my mother and stepfather. I don't, a lot of family went with that. Um, Mm. But he gave me this and he said, this is to show me that I have family roots with him, Mm. you know, and here in his home with him. So to me, those are my things, but they're on my personal body. So if I ever had to run out of the house in a fire, God forbid, they're on me. I don't have to grab them and run. I'd probably run and grab the cats if I could, but they'd probably be long gone because it's like every man for himself when it Uh comes to cats. They don't care. (laughs) (laughs) They'd be down the street. They'd be like, yeah, you're good. (laughs) It's like we're all we're all out for ourselves out here, so you all take care of yourself. <laughs> um, I I love that. Like you know, when you think about prized possessions, again, it comes back to relationships. And it sounds like you're just a very relational yeah. person who really, really cares about you know love and connection with people as much as you need your alone time and your private walks by the creek. Uh, when when you know yeah. that you are treasured by your husband and what that represents to you. It represents like a very, yeah, just like a high value for love and connection. And I think that's a beautiful thing. It's beautiful. It's just sad that most people have it. Most people are brought into the world. And, and I always struggled with the, the issues with my mother because everybody's mother loves them. Mm-hmm. Even serial killers have mothers who love them and sit behind them in court after they've murdered and done all Gosh, these things. Yeah. And it's like, gosh, my mother just can't. And and it's okay. You know, I it's taken it's a long time, though. but yeah. yeah, it makes me value what when I see you know, like my sister with her son, I mean, I look at the pictures of them and just I love seeing people love their children and I love seeing husbands and wives or partners of whatever, you know, gender love each other and I mean, again, I sound like a hippie, but love can make a lot of things right that are wrong in the mm-hmm, world. So, mm-hmm. you know, all you need is love. It's a good Beatles song. <laughs> it is a good Beatles song. <laughs> and that romantic heart, it makes sense that, like, um, yeah. you know, especially coming from a place where you didn't get a lot of that, um, you know, deep and intimate connection, that home really right. would come in the form of a person and that that deep intimate connection that you now have with your husband i'm so glad that you found that and i think it's really important yeah. to, to note that like it took it took quite a while for you to find that um but i'm very very glad that you stuck it through and got there that's really wonderful and an important story to well tell. thank you mm-hmm. well yeah, um and hopefully other people can relate yeah absolutely i'm, I'm sure plenty of people can 
Um, so, uh, you know, as we're kind of in some closing motions, like you know, as if I'm going to land the plane, right? Everybody put your seatbelts back on. Um, <laughs> are there any like suggestions, tips, um, you know, in light of having this conversation, our reflections, your preparation for this conversation, everything, any uh, suggestions that you'd give to people listening for how they can uh, help improve their quality of life at home? Um, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm going to go back to my alter ego as a realtor. Um, you know, when you're looking at a home or trying to figure out how to live in the home that you're in, just be realistic about what everybody needs. You know, a, a teenager does not want a bedroom right next to their parents, you know, so you get those split options where the master's on one side of the house um, or on the main yeah. floor and the other bedrooms are separate or sometimes you can convert, you know, lower levels or basements into a living area for, you know, the, the aunt or the grandma or whoever, you know, lives in the house as well. But, you know, just being realistic about everybody's needs, because I think if everybody has their basic needs met, um, you know, everybody will find some happiness with, you know, whatever they're, you know, required to live in at whoever's choice. So, you know, it's just a matter of knowing what you want. You know, my son just bought his first house. Um, he's going to close in a couple weeks and he absolutely wow. didn't want to be in town because he's a country boy. He's used to having a barn mm. and everything. And God help us. Yeah. We found something. It's a fixer upper in his price range, but we found something, you know, but you have to make the, you have to compensate in some way. Um, but just be aware of what is really important to you and what you need to be happy and just make it work figure it out mm -hmm. that's so good and you know whether that's a person searching for a new home or trying to make life more livable in the home that they're already in it's important to be realistic exactly. about the needs of everybody who's living there I, I love that tip yes um now dana uh, i know you mentioned that you have written a book and you're working on another and everything yeah. but what are the sort of things that you're working on and how can people get in touch with you uh, to hear more about what you're up to Absolutely. Well, I have a website, www.danasdiaz.com. That's D-A-N-A-S-D-I-A-Z.com. Um, my book that I just released is called Gasping for Air, The Stranglehold of Narcissistic Abuse. Um, and that discusses um, a lot of my 25-year former uh, relationship with my ex-husband. Um, and I will be probably by the end of this year, we have already written, we're going through the process now of the second book, which will cover my childhood. It's sort of a prequel. Wow. And I am in the process with everything else going on of writing the third book in this trilogy of a series of narcissistic abuse um, about after uh, you know kind of going up to present times because unfortunately yeah. my husband and i encountered another narcissist i just i swear i'm a magnet it's my purpose in life apparently to <laughs> oh, uh, you know create this awareness so they keep coming but um yes you can go on my website my book is available amazon um you can get the ebook get the print book i have done some book signings and will continue to be on uh a little book tour doing that the rest of the summer and probably through the rest of this year as the other books come out but uh definitely facebook instagram right. TikTok. i'm everywhere just look for dana sds all right awesome i'm going to you know gr grab all those links that you mentioned and all the accounts and I will <laughs> wonderful put it in a companion uh blog post along with this episode so everybody if you want to get connected to dana just take 
a look in the show notes, you'll find a blog post um, for ways to get connected with her. Um, so hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode. I hope it served you. Um, this has been Home Life for Extraordinary Impact, which is under my larger project, Home Life Design Lab. Uh, through that project, I'm on a mission to help 100 million people transform their quality of life at home. It's a big, audacious goal because what else am I going to spend my life on, you know? So the goal with that is to help people live lives <laughs> of really meaningful connection with the people that they live with, as uh, Dana so so beautifully uh, showed even the redemption story possibilities for how that plays out in life, um, born out of difficulty and, and perhaps finding a partnership. Uh, we'll talk about that kind of stuff. We'll talk about other things like interior design and architecture, uh, layers to life like home routines and so on. If this strikes your fancy, go to homelifedesignlab.com, sign up for the newsletter there, check out workshops. And also subscribe to this podcast. Uh, rate it, subscribe it, because it's still relatively new, and I'd love to help it get some traction. So thank you very much for listening. And until next time, everybody, bye. Thanks for listening to Home Life for Extraordinary Impact. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed putting it together for you. Please take a moment to rate it, like it, and subscribe wherever you have listened or watched. If you really loved it, check the link in the show notes to become a premium subscriber to support the ongoing work of this project and to unlock some exclusive premium episodes. Home Life for Extraordinary Impact is a project of Home Life Design Lab. Find out more at homelifedesignlab.com where you can sign up for the newsletter and follow along on Instagram and TikTok. Thanks.